Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 297. Quite At some points, it was quite a difficult journey coming up through kitchens where there's a hierarchy and, you know, you have to stick to that. And I had to really discipline myself and say, shut up, just learn, don't, don't try and have an opinion at the moment, just... You know, get as much information as you can out of out of all these people that you're working with. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. Do it. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Sean Quaid and Veronica Phil. You two better tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. Eric, our brains don't have breaks. We couldn't stop if we wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, we never sleep. Yeah. (laughs) That is what we like to hear. All right. So in 2015, Terrace House in South Melbourne that was formerly home to a burlesque club was overtaken by Sean Quaid and Mr. Harry. They set out creating a venue with the bones and souls of a restaurant, but with the theatrical and multi-sensory approach. With a deep respect for produce and technique, Lume's team shares an unrelenting desire to experiment. They honor tradition, yet at the same time are hell-bent on building their own. Over the past six months, things have accelerated rapidly. In November, they were named uh, Gomeo. Just say it for me. I, I, I'm stupid yeah. American. I can't say it. <laughs> All right. A, uh, Australian restaurant of the year, which is just a huge honor. Uh, and it received their second hat. They also headlined taste of Melbourne festival, a uh, good food month in Melbourne food and wine festival. Uh, I guess, which is the quote, uh, big three in Australia. So you guys are just doing amazing things. Uh, Veronica reached out to me. She told me the story and I was just, you know, floored on what you guys are doing. I think it's a great story and I I need to share it with restaurant unstoppable nation uh, and just get that inspiration, get that motivation going. So um, with all that, it's time to get the motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. So what do you guys have for us? This is one of my own, Eric. Um, I think that you can't fail if you haven't stopped trying yet. It's pretty much like you can't, you know, you can't call it 
until the fat lady sings or something like that. Mm. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> and so if we never stop, then we can't really fail yet, can we? Exactly. Yeah. That's a great attitude. Had. So that optim <laughs> that optimism that just keeps you going and um just look into the future and what to try next. And I love it. And Sean, did you have anything you want to share or are we going to move on to, you know, find out more about you guys? I think that's, uh, that's very much my motto as well. It's, it's just that tenacity, you know, just keep going, whatever the cost, don't stop. <laughs> whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. <laughs> Sorry, that, that sounded a bit that ominous, sounded, but... <laughs> No, no, just back up. <laughs> awesome. I love it, guys. So I want to find out kind of more about you guys, uh, where you came from, how you got to where you are today, and what makes you guys so awesome now. Uh, so I guess mm. we'll start with Sean. Uh, let's mm. talk about how you got into this industry and give us kind of a, a fast forward version of how you got to where you are today and okay. go for it. So I, I started cooking, um, when I was 21. So relatively late for, um, you know, chefs, I guess a lot of, a lot of chefs start straight out of school. Um, I was just drawn to it because of the creativity. I was always, you know, working with my hands. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I've trained as a pastry chef, so uh, very meticulous. Um, they kind of appealed to my nature. So, um, you know, I've worked, uh, you know, in, in most of Australia's top restaurants, um, you know, for a year, two years here and there. So, you know, drawing inspiration from um, lots of different chefs and, and just kind of like, uh, you know, moving around Australia, uh, finding out what's great about this country, um, produce, you know, techniques and all that sort of thing. So that's my background. I um, have not worked overseas, but I've done a lot, a lot of traveling. Uh, there's a dog in the background. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just happy it's not my dog this time. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, my, my main background is, uh, you know, fine dining restaurants, I guess, you know, uh, high-end um that would be probably the best way to put it. As much as I don't like that term, fine dining, it's too it's too broad. But um, gotcha. You know, yeah. All right. So, Veronica, give us a little taste of who you are and how you found yourself working at Lume. Um, my well, I had a more unusual upbringing. I guess I was homeschooled, okay. um, and I didn't have the best health over my life, so I spent a lot of time just on my own studying, reading. Um, <clears throat> I started out studying advertising, um, decided that that wasn't really for me. It was a bit too cutthroat for my gentle sensibilities. <laughs> um, and so I went and got my economics degree, which I just loved. Um, I'm a total economics nerd. Um, and then I added psychology to that as well for a really this beautiful nexus of kind of mental manipulation. It's all over the place. It's great. Um, And then I became a political advisor. So I spent seven years uh, working in Canberra uh, for for government ministers, for the prime minister and shadow ministers. Um, After that... I mean, I spent about seven years doing it and it just didn't really stimulate me. So in the background the whole time, I was always trying to think of little side hustles that I could do at my desk without anyone noticing. Um, And I always thought that saxophone would be a bit obvious if I just 
kind of started rocking out on that at my desk. So I just started writing um, while everyone thought that I was working and started getting published. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I, yeah, there was a, a pretty horrible point where I kind of I died a bit. I had um, – <laughs> I was literally. In, I was literally yeah. died. All I had multiple organ failure oh, while I was speaking at a health conference, ironically, um, and I spent several months in a coma after that. And when I woke up, I was just in pretty poor health, uh, and I was getting worse and worse from the stress of the job. And so, I pretty much decided overnight to quit and move to Melbourne and do writing full time. And it was a bit. <laughs> Veronica, real quick, uh, what was it that you think? Do you ever find out what caused your body to shut down like that? What was going on physically that made? Yeah, that- I've got a weird form of. I've got an autoimmune condition, so my organs tend to fail spontaneously. Okay. Um. Yeah, and at that point, it's triggered by stress. Oh, so at okay. that point, about every fortnight, I was having either kidney failure or heart failure or liver failure just something was going horribly wrong if you wait it's weird but it's like a blessing in disguise it's like you you your body was literally telling you that you're you need to do something else you need to be someplace that's i'm assuming more fulfilling more aligned with what you care about and it sounds like you found that in lume and with sean and doing what you're doing now um which is really where i want to take this conversation next and that's basically on um what's happened over the past year? Um, Sean, let's bring it back to you. Um, why Lume? What what made you want to open this restaurant? What made you want to take this risk? I mean, Veronica really sold your story. I mean, she, she got me all excited. Um, she said that, you know, you were able just to get all these investors and do all these incredible things. How did you do that? Let's start from when you had the idea. I... Um... You know, I'd been I'd been working for so many years, and uh, I'm a very kind of independent person. Like I like doing my own thing. Uh, I hate authority figures, blah blah blah. So um, <laughs> I, I was, it was quite, quite at some points, it was quite a difficult journey coming up through, um, you know, kitchens where there's a hierarchy, and you know you have to stick to that. And I had to really uh, discipline myself and say just you know, shut up, just learn, don't, don't try and have an opinion at the moment, just, you know, get as much information as you can out of, out of all these people that you're working with. And I got to the stage um, where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I, I, I have a lot to say. I have, um, um, I think I have a very distinct style because um, a lot of my background is self-taught Um you know, I've worked for a lot of great chefs, but um, I am more recognized as a pastry chef. But I've never worked for another pastry chef. I'm, I'm completely self-taught. So um, Sean's the kind of person that just reads about it and does it the next day. And he doesn't he doesn't bullshit about it. He doesn't, you know, yeah, just I'm an R. He just does it. <laughs> so Okay, keep going. <clears throat> Well, it was it was a pretty pretty immediate decision. I was like, okay, let's let's uh, let's do this. So, um, at the time, um, I had a a business partner that we were uh, another chef that I'd been working with. It's like, yep, let's do this. Um, wrote out a business plan. Wrote out a business plan. Um, 
you know, very brief. This all happened kind of over the space of a, a week. What? Okay. Um, and it's got in touch with the right person. Yeah, we got got in touch with uh, <clears throat> a friend of ours who put in put us in touch with uh, you know Mr. Harry, who is our um, investor in in Lume, and started the started basically the interview process because uh, uh, Mr. Harry is someone who is not from hospitality um, and I had to convince him that, um, you know, opening a 50-seat fine dining tasting menu only restaurant in Australia was going to be a good idea <laughs> and <laughs> um, as opposed to I think the original idea for the space that we made because you already had the space. Wait, so let's slam on the brakes uh, real, is- real quick, Sean, because I want to. I don't want to move on from this part real quick. Um, first, That's real right. quick for the listeners, who's who's Mr. Harry? So, Mr. Harry, he's our he's our investor. Um, he basically uh, put you know, 99% of the money up for, for Lume. So, you know, it's it's an expensive restaurant to run. It's, it's as any tasting menu, you know, lots of staff, uh, restaurant is. But more incredibly is just the, the trust he has in people. He's always said to us that he's, you know, he's happy to spend the money if he's working with good people. And he knows within a few minutes, you can see it in his eyes. Yeah. When, (laughs) that's kind of what I want to dive into just real quick just to kind of create the picture of what happened here from the time you had concept the time you approach your first um, major uh, uh, you know uh, backer uh, what what time elapsed there that was uh, probably about three weeks okay Um, so that's ridiculous like that the fact that you were able to make that happen is incredible dude um so if you could narrow it down to like one or two things that that made mr harry want to give you this money Mm. what were those things that enabled you to convince somebody to throw this kind of money at you well i know everyone says the same thing but the business plan is you know it's a no-brainer like you have to have a solid plan um you know because everything's up in your head and, and you're like yeah this is a great idea it makes total sense but it's like anything you do you can't do it by yourself mm-hmm. so um, and it doesn't even need to be one of those traditional business plans like a sick encyclopedia we can do it on one page these days make yeah. it plain. it just has to be there to show someone that you have direction okay so, so we we had uh uh, we had about a, a five-page business plan, and to be honest, most of it was actually um, just talking and talking and talking. So we, it, it took us about uh, three months to kind of, you know, get in his head and really convince him that you know this is a really solid business investment, um, which it is. It, it, it's uh, you know wasn't that evident when we first opened, but it's, uh, it's very much turning out that way. Um, but it took us about three months to kind of, um, ease him, <laughs> ease him in. Yeah. Ease him into it because he had a very different idea about, um, what should go into that space that, okay. that actually became Lume. What did he want that? Uh, he originally wanted a, <clears throat> sorry, a Moroccan buffet. <laughs> All right. Which, um, <laughs> Pretty sure with belly dancers as well. Yeah, which would have fit quite well because the the, the space was for Lume a uh, 
a cabaret club right. slash strip club. So <laughs> interesting. Um, well, I yeah. I want to know, Sean. You seem so convinced that this was going to be a great investment. What was this? <clears throat> what was it about this idea that was so convincing for you? Why did you know it was going to work? What was so unique about your business that you just knew it was going to work? So, uh, Australia is, um, a little bit, a little bit behind the rest of, uh, the Western world, I guess, because just because of where we are. And, um, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. It just, because we're so separated from, you know, all the other countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, uh, you know, fine dining in this country is very um, old school, and Lume is anything but old school. It's um, very, very progressive, avant-garde. Um, you know, I could go on polarizing, polarizing, yeah, <laughs> um, which is exactly what I wanted. So, um, why, why biggest- did you want that? Why did you want that? I think that just fits in with my personality as well. I, You're pretty fearless. Lume is is me, like everything that's in that restaurant, um, from, you know, the cutlery to the colour of the front door to, you know, the food and all the obvious things has all come through, you know, my head. So it's, um, it's very much a, a reflection on who I am, which was always – you know, there's no point in opening a restaurant if that's not the case because, you know, I can think of a hundred other professions where you could make twice as much money with less work. Mm. You know, a restaurant is tough work, hard work. On that note, mm. I will interject by saying my mm. parents were in the hospitality business as well, okay. like old school hospo. And the one thing they always said to me was, darling, do not ever, ever get into hospitality. <laughs> my, parents Never. Told, my parents told me the same thing too. We showed them, huh? Man? But who listens to their parents? Um, but, you know, what I'm getting at is there's – you know, Sean, you just shared something that was really valuable, and that's mm. that you created uh, your restaurant is an extension of, of your personal brand, and uh, yep. to be able to show up every day uh, to put in that work that's going to be able to separate you from other people, you need it. Mm. You can't put on a, a face every day. You, you need to be able to show up as your true authentic self. Um, and that's mm. going to give you the endurance to be able to go that extra mile and to show up when everybody else just wants to call in sick. Do you think that helped mm. you? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. It's that it's that tenacity to, you know, really say something. I mean, I I decided to open a restaurant and decided quite quickly, um, as I said before, that if you, if you're going to do something, do it 110 percent. And that's something I say to the staff all the time. Like I, you know, even if you feel like shit or if you're having a bad day or you know, it's it's a quiet night. Like we don't have you know, a full restaurant, it's like, let's just hit this out of the ballpark, 110% every day. But how, how do you do that? Um, well, for me, it's quite easy because I think my, my personality, I'm very, um, obsessive and, um, I, I get focused on doing one thing and, Mm. um, 
you know, that comes down to um, my mental makeup. Like I have um, a few mental health issues, which, <laughs> which, uh, which child in the right way can yeah. be really advantageous. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to, you know, talk about them at all. Uh, and that's yeah. really a great, uh, let's talk about it because I mm. feel like a lot of people will look at mental health issues in their life and say, I can't do that because of these reasons. And you were able to look at those challenges and say, these challenges, I might be able to leverage these challenges to serve me. So mm. what, let's do you mind being really transparent and sharing exactly what those challenges are? Yeah, of course. Um, so at quite a young age, um, I've been diagnosed as uh, bipolar, bipolar two. Um, and to quote my psychiatrist a little bit, just a little bit schizophrenic as well. So <laughs> a little bit schizophrenic. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, all right. <laughs> because you can't put you can't put like a, a definite label on it, but it's But sometimes to be genius you've got to be a little bit crazy, yeah, Eric. Absolutely. I agree with you one hundred percent. So how are you using how did you look at these what most people would look like as roadblocks? How did you look mm. at those roadblocks as accelerators? How did you take these things and leverage them to get ahead in life? And what mentality do we need to do that? I think uh, for me, it was just survival. So um, I was very adamant for many, many years to not take any sort of medication. And, um, you know, there's obviously pros and cons to that. But my my way of self-medicating was just obsessing about work. And, you know, I think that's basically who I've become is that if, if I'm going to do something, I, I put my whole self into it. I think it became um, a... A coping it's, mechanism. Yeah, it's definitely a coping mechanism. It's, it's uh, you know, you, you keep your brain busy. You had something to focus on. You're not kind of left to, you know, wander in the woods with your own thoughts, <laughs> so to speak, which gets a bit scary. So, um, you know, work has always been like the perfect outlet for me to, you know, any restless energy and, um, you know, just like kind of, Anxiety. I just kind of channel it straight into work, and to me, that's been really cathartic because um, it's helped me be quite successful, and it's helped me um, basically survive as well, and you know, uh, grow up and be the person that I am today. Because um, you know, I, I see a lot of people that you know go down the more traditional route and just take you know, a shitload of medication and basically just numb themselves out. And, you know, but that's, that's no sort of life to me. It's, um, <clears throat> you know, some, everyone's different obviously, but, uh, to me, this is, this has worked. So, um, I think, you know, mental health in, in hospitality is something that never, never gets talked about. It's, it's not a subject that is, uh, talked about at all. So, it's something that we really, really want to get behind as well because mm. it should not be a taboo. No, absolutely not. And, you know, there's – I mean, there's – this is like going down like a whole nother road. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because so much of what we look at with as far as quote-unquote mental health of what's regular um, – all those things, I mean, sometimes to be successful, you need to be irregular. Those things that other people look at as things that aren't normal or accepted in society are things that will separate you and give you the special skills and n talents you'll need to be able to 
pull those crazy hours to be able to to go off and kind of get get lost in your own mind and become creative and i mean exactly. there's there's so many different things out there even um i can't remember i think it was an episode of um the art of charm where they talk about how we should not look at our disabilities as inhibitors but mm. um what's the what's the opposite of, of inhibit but uh there's a word and it's well, not coming. <laughs> but, it's about how you can challenge, or how you can channel them and leverage off of them. But Sean, in an adventurous way. I just want to, you know, say f- fucking right on dude, because so many people would just stop and you're, you're just using this. You're using these things as a way to get ahead and not stop you. And you're, you're so optimistic in on um, just that can do attitude will get you so much further in life. So it's truly incredible. And you're, you really are an inspiration for anybody out there who might be dealing with, if you're listening to this and you have those challenges, like don't let it stop you uh, push forward. And Sean's a beautiful example of what can happen when you do just keep showing up. And uh, I'm on a rant now. I should probably shut up. (laughs) We were just talking about this very issue before, before we came online with you, just because I think Sean and I are both really, really similar Mm -hmm. in yeah. Just in the way that we think. And I've always, like, I can remember as a kid just being hugely anxious and always doctors suggesting that my mum and dad give me Valium and sleeping tablets and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I was a bit older that I thought, hang on, why am I suppressing my brain? Like, this is a gift that I'm an insomniac and I'm still up at 4 a.m. working. Like, that's why, that's why we're successful. It's not a bad thing. It's not yeah. slow down. Embrace yeah. it. Whatever you're, you're given, whatever it is about you that separates you, that gives you a unique something, leverage that something. Uh, and don't, don't let society tell you that it's going to be something that will inhibit you from doing what you want to do. So beautiful. Exactly. You guys. Um, and I kind of want to fast forward a little bit because I mean, one of the things I really love about your story, the two of you of uh, Veronica was telling me when we were talking during the pre-interview chat that, um, things weren't always going perfectly for you. And there was a, a time where you, things were a little bit rocky and you're on thin ice. So let's talk about that time. And that's also around the time Veronica came into the picture. So I guess Veronica yeah. or Sean, who, who I'll, was, let, I'll let Sean describe the, the state of affairs. <laughs> so when we, when we opened, um, I made a very uh, deliberate decision to kind of, uh, Real quick, give me a month, the, the month you opened, and to, then fast forward to where you are currently. So we get uh, so the time July, July 2015. Okay. Uh, so um, when we opened, obviously there's a lot of press, uh, lots of hype surrounding the restaurant opening, um, and I purposely built that up and said, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we want to get into the world's top 50, blah, blah, blah. And that was a very deliberate marketing ploy from me to um, basically Just to get draw, attention. draw attention to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I guess it, it, it really, really worked, but it did kind of backfire a little bit as well because um, I guess Australia, there's a, a you know, a very definite uh, tall poppy syndrome. People hate people that, uh, you know, kind of big note themselves saying like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Okay. So, um, it came across as very arrogant okay. in the media, mm. and then that just really took off. So immediately, the media perception 
came out as Sean and Lume being full of themselves and like, oh, yeah, we'll see how these guys do, you know, 18-course tasting menu, 500-course yeah. bloody tasting menu. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but then that meant that they were really wedged into this corner and people had already decided from the get-go that, oh, these dickheads, you know, <laughs> good luck to you. Okay, so um, how did you overcome it? So th- this is where we are. And talk to mm. me about – bring me to the point where things were rocky and you were, you know, were you at any point concerned it wasn't going to work? Yeah, very much so. Um, so after after a few months, you know, all that hype dies down and, and we're just another restaurant um, that's opened as, you know, two or three restaurants open every week in Melbourne. So um, we started to kind of die down a bit and, um, you know, it was very quiet and um, obviously a tasting menu restaurant is very expensive to run. So we're kind of you know, using up a lot of money that we didn't really have. Mm-hmm. And we're having a few staff problems as well. So I originally had a another chef that I was partnered with, um, a business partner, who we ended up going our separate ways. Um, there were creative differences. Creative differences. You know, to put it in kind of like a band perspective, there's creative differences. <laughs> we... Um, saw our music going in different directions sort of thing. So um, uh, at the same time, he he uh, got together with our, our sommelier. So that caused a little bit of tension. And to cut a really long, boring story short, um, they ended up leaving um, after about six months. Okay. So... With no notice. With yeah, pretty much no notice. They they moved away. So, um, to me, you know, as we talked about before, it's it's you know it's, it's a challenge, and you you take what happens to you, and you just move on. And to be honest, it's, it's a total blessing in disguise because um, at that exact same moment, um, you know, obviously Ronnie and I had been together for about seven months or so, and. You know, talking about things like that every night, it's, it's, uh, um, she's like, I need to step in here. I've, I've got so many ideas about, you know, where the restaurant could go. And I um, couldn't shut up. Like, I, yeah, which is. <laughs> they eventually yeah. just had to put me on payroll because I couldn't stop. <laughs> well, because you're doing so much work for us. <laughs> let's, let's pull back the layers a little bit on w- what it was going through your mind and what emotions you were feeling when your partner mm. in your sommelier kind of jumped ship and you were left at this restaurant running it on your own what Mm. was going through your mind what was that like take us through that emotionally um i on one hand was uh absolutely uh petrified because i really did think that the restaurant was going to go under because we got a lot of negative press about about the situation because as, as it is around the world, you know, most, uh, you know, I guess hospitality press is very um, insular and um, my former business partners were friends with a lot of people in the media and you don't often get a, uh, a, fair, a fair reckoning, so to speak, um, which... So the media pretty much railed us. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
So um, it, it was it was pretty. Uh, I was pretty petrified, but then at the same time, I was also a hundred percent elated and excited because I had this amazing restaurant that I now had full control over, and I was like, you know what. This is this is fucking go time. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I gotta slam on the brakes right now because I love that. The, like you know, your your partner, your sommelier leave. You're alone with this restaurant. You're you're thinking things are gonna you know sink. You're petrified, but you choose to have that emotional intelligence to look and say, "Well, let's look at the good things. I have complete control now of the situation. I can take Ooh. this ship and point it in any direction I want." And that's exactly yeah. what you did. You had this outside influence. Veronica, aka Ronnie. Can I call you Ronnie going forward? Because I thought that was yeah, pretty huh. awesome. Uh, we have Ronnie uh, influencing you with all these skills that she has. She has the, the the psychology, the economics, the advertisement, all these incredible assets at your disposal. There, just whispering in your ear, and you did something that successful restaurant tours do. They they see the strengths in other people, and they surround themselves with people who are better at certain things than they are. And they say, you know, smack yeah, them on right. the ass and say, "Go get it." Um, and that's yeah. what seemed like happened in your situation so let's pick up from there veronica you come into the picture or ronnie you, you come into the picture what things were you suggesting how did you turn this beast around and just take it well they, they initially brought me on board just for the crisis communications side of things so managing the uh having sean's business partner pretty much abscond <laughs> overnight and just thinking, God, how do we spin this into a positive story? Mm. Um, which in actual fact, it was positive anyway, because ultimately it, nothing nothing good would have come of them staying in that situation and not being happy. So this way he's gone in his direction. He's opened up his own venue now mm-hmm. um, and he can do whatever he wants with that. Sean can do whatever he wants on his side of things. Sorry, we're trying to work out what's ringing right now. <laughs> Devices everywhere. I'm throwing you under a couch. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Don't worry about it. Uh, so let's kind of pick back up again and start with just saying like why this was positive. And just summarize that real quick for us. Uh, because I, I think that nothing great could have come of the current situation. Obviously, you've got two business partners that don't have the same outlook for their restaurant. Sean had a very, very specific idea in mind for what he wanted to make Lume, uh, and his business partner wanted to go in a completely different direction. Okay, that's so a, there was always going to be... That's a huge a lesson right there. Um, unless... The vision's the same. The destination's the, sh- the same. It will never work. And it is a blessing in disguise that only after six months, um, you came to this realization and you did part your ways. I mean, you could have gotten a much deeper hole. You could have dug yourself into a situation you couldn't have pivoted yourself out of. And it sounds like you did. You were able to to do that. So, uh, Veronica, what other things did you, did you? How did you play a role in pulling these things around? And how were you influencing the situation? Well, I I had been working prior to meeting Sean. I was a food writer, mm-hmm. so I was actually working on the other side of the media okay. and have intricate knowledge about how that industry works. And was kind of whispering in his ear all of the time, you know, look, don't get so upset about reviews. You know what? Sometimes they're not even real reviews. We're just looking on Zomato. Yeah. And, in what other people say, and like the, that is actually seriously yeah. how that industry works. It's somewhat 
corrupt in a lot of cases. Okay. Um, it, over in Australia, we call it couscous for comment. So, you know, there's a lot of um, issues with bloggers being paid by venues and you just can't really trust what you read. But mm. I was shocked to see that restaurateurs themselves didn't actually realise that. And so they're kind of living and dying by the reviews that are coming out online every day and, you know, checking their Sparto profiles and TripAdvisor accounts. And mm. it's like you don't need to worry that much about it, really. Just blink, like, so you cover your you start, you start paying attention to what other people were saying about you and you focus on doing you. So talk to us about what that doing you looked like. What were the things you were doing and how did you change the culture? How did things change from this point on? It pretty much came about by completely re-examining what Lume was. So mm. without Sean's business partner, this was just his show now. Um, and what does that look like? Well, we needed a, a way of describing it. So I'm, you know, I'm a copywriter in my in one of my many other lives. Yeah. Uh, and we were just thinking, how do we, you know, how do we articulate what what we do? Um, and we came up with we're multisensory mm. and we're multidisciplinary. So we at Lume we use pretty much every tool in our arsenal in order to create the unique dining experiences that we do. We use actors, musicians, psychologists. We use a hypnotist sometimes. We use sculptors, artists, anyone that we can who can help the kitchen team and the front of house team in shaping those experiences for people and really transforming them into this otherworldly space. Uh, And so we... The way that we articulated that was by being multisensory and multidisciplinary, and that's when it really took off. Mm-hmm. Now, you also do some other things in the background, like encouraging yeah. a website, for example. Um, <laughs> so they didn't have a website before, and it took a little while. We did have a website. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was it a one. Yeah. Explain to me what the website was, Sean. <laughs> okay, so we had we had a very obscure website it was uh basically myself and my former business partner uh dressed as monks dressed as monks kind of hunched over hunched over in in cloaks holding like this what looked like a bible sort of thing so it was just one page there was nothing else on i just had the restaurant name and contact details and that was it no menu just (laughs) it was highly stylized and very artistic but completely Mm. non-practical and Here's the point that I want to make is that, Sean, nobody's going to question your skill, your talents in the kitchen, your creative ability. It's amazing. I've seen your work and it's just I could never think of these things. But to, it takes more than just one incredible skill today to be successful. You really need to have a team of people who are – strong where you're like that, that advertisement that getting your story across um all these things uh you know veronica had this incredible history and this incredible ex- uh, history of experience that she then brought those tools to the picture and she was able to take what you were doing that was so beautiful and tell a story behind it and to, to get it across the, the general public and to generate buzz i mean you can be the best at whatever it is you do if if you can't get that message across, if you can't tell the story, if you can't 
do all those other millions of things that happen in the background by yourself that you need other people. And you, I like this, what is happening, the story that's happening and unfolding in front of us is just a great testament to the, the power of partnerships and finding the right partner. Your first partner wasn't the right partner, but it's pretty, uh-huh. it seems pretty clear. Veronica, you know, brings certain assets uh, that just shine light on what you're so amazing at, which is the food. Is it safe to say that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think um, Ronnie's become just as much a part of the restaurant as I am now. And I think uh, telling <clears throat> telling the story of Lume, um, you know, obviously it's my food and, <clears throat> you know, we've got staff at the restaurant that work tirelessly um, to produce that. And I think there's no point doing any of that if, if people don't experience it, if people don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And that's where Ronnie's been so influential because, um, you know, I've I've had all these ideas about how to, you know, track customers and, you know, really detail their experience and, um, you know, make it more than just, you know, coming in for dinner. I mean, I don't see the restaurant as a restaurant. I see it as a theater because everyone's got, their part to play, um, you the floor know, is stage. the floor is a stage. It's a totally open building. There's no, um, the kitchen's totally open. Everyone can see everything. Uh, the bar is totally open. Everyone can see everything. And there's lots of interaction between front and back of house, between the guests, between the bar, between the kitchen, etc. So, And that's all part of what makes it yeah. exciting yeah. watching that. Yeah. Hustle and flow. Yeah. I love it. In fact, we've got an acting trainer for our front of house staff. Just, yeah. Just, it made sense just to, I guess, I guess, you know, when you've got your staff out on the floor interacting with customers and you need that level of choreography almost and, Mm. and grace as you move. I was hoping you guys would talk about this because it seems like one thing you do really well. Uh, on top of the food is creating the experience. So what are some lessons you can share with our listeners right now? Some of the things that are going through your mind when it comes to creating that experience. I think it's the, um, you know, getting back to, you know, why, why I opened a restaurant in the first place. The biggest thing that I want people to experience when they come to Lume is, is I want them to have fun. You know, I, I hate going to restaurants where if you spend half your paycheck, um, you've waited three months to get in there, and then you sit there, you sit there thinking, um, you know, I can't have a proper conversation here. I can't touch anything because it looks too expensive. <laughs> I, I feel really, I feel really uncomfortable. And so stuffy, yeah. and stuffy. You know, there's no music playing. I feel like everyone's listening to my conversation. So I think something you really set out to do was to make formal fine dining. Mm. less formal yeah less less formal but still with that same level of you know the highest level of precision like world-class food world-class service but um you know in a in a relaxed atmosphere where people actually engage with Mm. the kitchen um you know i get the chefs to take meals out i get uh you know the bar staff are involved in the kitchen and everyone's you know, if something needs doing, it just gets done. There's no, 
set hierarchy where it's like, oh, that's not part of my job. So Yeah, everyone does everything. We try and really move people around so they understand all mm. facets of how the restaurant work, mm. not just one isolated. Yeah. The main focus is on is hospitality, is making every person that comes through that front door feel really, really special. And um, the, the restaurant is set out, um, it's quite luxurious but it also feels very comfortable and very Australian so um, you know we're, we're a pretty relaxed nation and I really wanted to um, showcase that in the restaurant so uh, it just looks like someone's house from the outside it, it's a terrace house um, you know people walk past it all the time they have no idea it's there but then they walk in and it opens up into this uh, beautiful restaurant that um, you know, we, we have 14 staff at the moment and they basically call that home for, you know, however many hours a day because we all spend so many, well, you just disappeared. Yeah, I'm still here. There's some weird static <laughs> going on in the background. So I just figured I'd get rid of my video to see if it would go away. Um, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't interrupt you. I just didn't want to have a static ruin with the uh, audio quality. Give me a quick test test real quick, see if it's still going. How's that? Can you... Yeah, it's still there. Hold on. I'm going to hang up and call you right back. That's all right. All right. We figured it out, guys. Sorry, we're back. Uh, Problems resolved. And Sean, you were just telling us about uh, the ambiance, the feeling you were trying to create from the very beginning, uh, from the onset of your restaurant. You were asking about some of the changes that we'd put in place and mm. how we were creating those guest experiences. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to ask that I think is just really important is uh, something that we see happening more and more, especially on the state side because of uh, the imbalance of wages between front of house and back of house is that rotating, um, you know, getting people that are in the kitchen on the floor and rotating and kind of breaking down the walls between front of house and back of house. So I think that's a brilliant idea. And how, what are the benefits uh, to having cross-trained people, having your, your chefs bring food out? How has that served this, this kind of um, bleeding of roles? How has that served your industry, your your restaurant? I think more just from, sorry about the dog. (laughs) Just from a labor mobility perspective, because in hospitality, you often have quite high turnover rates. Yeah. It's really, really costly to go out and recruit someone, you know, every time you need to replace them. And they take all of this training and really valuable IP with them when they leave. Mm-hmm. So it's more a way of smoothing out that knowledge base. It means that, you know, if we do happen to lose a staff member, we're not left hanging. We've still got plenty of people that can step in and take that role. Um, so really just creating that multidisciplinary environment where, you know, we're not left high and dry. Mm. If you know, if someone's sick even, it doesn't mean that they've got a lot more flexibility in their jobs. It mm. doesn't mean that, you know, only one person can bake the bread, for instance, and they have to be there every single day yeah. that we're open. It just no makes for a much stronger team. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're approaching the time where we're going to have to go into our speed round, but I just want to make sure, was there anything that we didn't discuss that you were hoping we would touch on? Any bombs of knowledge you want to drop on us before we move on to the speed round? Yeah, I think the big thing um, that Sean hasn't touched on is that I mean, when we when we first started talking about the restaurant, and even before we were working together, he just had no idea. I'm 
a digital marketer. He had no idea that all of this technology existed because we don't have it in Australia. So, mm. um, you know, he had all of these ideas with what he wanted to do with the restaurant. He pretty much, you know, I wish there was a way that I could track guests, for instance, and create profiles about them or predict what they were going to order the next time. It's like, yeah, so what CRM are you using? Mm. Obviously, for anyone in any other industry knows what that's about. And it's like, what's a CRM? Yeah. <laughs> I think having having Veronica come on board and, and just actually clarifying and giving names to mm. all these things that have been whirring around in, in my head for, for years and finally it's just been like this perfect amalgamation of um, – Disciplines. Disciplines yeah. because, you know, she's not from a hospitality background, but every literally every single thing that she's learned and studied has makes perfect sense in the restaurant, makes mm-hmm. perfect sense in hospitality. It means we just see two sides of the same coin. So I see mm-hmm. it from from a guest's perspective, mm-hmm. from the other side of the table, the other side of the pass, and you see it from mm-hmm. the inside. And I think when you when you match those two skills together, pretty unstoppable there. <laughs> yes, I love it. I really do. And uh, there's so many valuable lessons to take away from our discussion so far. But awesome stuff, guys. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the Tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back <laughs> and the first question i have for you is what is 
one of your if factors, habits, traits, characteristics you believe most contributes to your success? Who wants to take it first? We never sleep. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, but we just don't. Like that's, you know, I have done a bit of, I write, a, I do a lot of ghostwriting um, for a lot of motivational speakers and someone that I've always loved is Gary Vee. Um, where I think something that's made Lume quite successful is that we very much see ourselves in that entrepreneurial space, not necessarily the hospitality space. And so mm. we're all about, we're hustlers. We really are. <laughs> Basically are hustlers. You know, it, it's, um, and yeah, hospitality is, a you know, it's a down and dirty business. You know, it, it's, it's, it's so competitive to get, to get by. You've got to, you know, use the skills that you have. I mean, we, we have a, a skill set that makes us quite unique, I think. So but it's, we use that to our full advantage. But I think it's more taking on that new style of thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, just fucking do it already. <laughs> just do it. Just I do it. it. Yeah. Just Get do it the done. work. I, I dig it. Yeah. So what is your biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, what is your biggest weakness? We talk over each other a lot, but it's a weakness. But again, I think one of our greatest assets is our weakness that we never sleep. Mm. Um, and we really struggle because we're partners in life as well as business. We really struggle to find that separation um, between business and relaxation mm. and knowing when to shut off. And it's still something that we haven't perfected. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah, and I think talking about you know, what, what we were talking about before with uh, certain health issues. I mean, I I touched on mine before, but uh, and Ronnie's got a very specific set of health issues as well that I think is something that immediately drew me to her when we first met was, again, that, that tenacity of uh, she's had all this bad shit happen to her in her life, but she's managed to, you know, Work, work, work around it, and and hustle to make a lifestyle for herself that works. Mm-hmm. With, I just, I mean, I was always aware since I was little that I was going to have health problems. So it was about how can I set myself up mm. for a life mm. I just I'm comfortable in and I'm happy and like it's just the way I want it, and that's what I feel like I've created. Mm. I think that's the ultimate happiness that you can have, really, if you can structure your life in a way that just makes you happy to wake up every morning and like I get to work from home and wear pajamas every day if I want to and, and drink wine all day as I write what's better than that awesome so what is one piece of advice you guys have for leading others I I think you know be be true to who you are be you know if, if you believe in something doesn't matter how many people are against it? You know, if you believe in it 100% and it has to be 100%, just go for it. Awesome. I think it comes back to what we were talking mm. about earlier on in the show in that, you know, some people have unique personality traits and characteristics and they might not be the norm. They might not be what everyone else accepts, uh, but don't ever feel like that's a bad thing and that you should change to fit 
to fit the rest. Like that's mm-hmm. that could be the very thing that gets you ahead. That's what. So. That's what. That's how trends are developed. Don't be somebody who opens a restaurant to go chase a trend. Be somebody who opens a restaurant to create a trend. Be somebody mm-hmm. who's doing something that nobody has ever done before and believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Uh, I love it, guys. Um, what is one question or thing you're looking for during an interview? We have been interviewing a lot of people lately, <laughs> and I will tell you what's really helped is we started my Briggs testing candidates okay. and disc profiling. So just certain personality tests that, I mean, we're not trying to suss out what they're like at home or anything. We just want to know how we can fit people together in an organisation and who's going to work well with who mm. in order to really mm. maximise their skills and the skills that they enjoy using. Not We never want to put people in job roles where they're doing things that they don't necessarily want to. Why do that? Why waste their time? Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't make any of us – it doesn't get the most out of any of us. So let's just pluck out what individual people are great at and kind of create ways to really incentivize them by focusing on those things. I love it. Because, you know, restaurants are such a family environment. You spend so many hours per day with – with all these people that, mm. you know, it makes total sense to um, match up their personalities, put people in certain sections that you know are going to work well together. For instance, we don't use a sommelier at Lume. We use a collaborative approach because we all love wine. Mm. Uh, and, it's, oh, and it's something that I think we should all collaborate in, you know, working with the kitchen and making suggestions. I'd much rather that than just have it all be, down to one person's preferences. So our restaurant manager, Dan, has a particular aptitude with wine. Mm. He's very, very knowledgeable. And so he takes on a lot of that role. Awesome. And, you know, the truth of the matter is today, the information's out there. We all have access to an incredible abundance of information. Uh, you can you can, you can can put together a decent wine menu without a, you know, a certificate, a sommelier certificate. Like it's possible. So I, I hear what you're saying. And um, what is one current challenge uh, and how are you dealing with that? One current challenge. I would have to say technology in terms of integration. So mm-hmm. we like, we're huge on tech. We actually, we were the first restaurant in Australia to bring virtual reality I can proudly yeah. say, into the experience. Yeah. Um, but it just falls flat in Australia. Nobody really, people are just like, oh, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great point. I mean, what's your advice um, for embracing resistance and em- re- embracing change? And uh, how has that served you in the past few months? It, at first, it, it's not always served us very well. We use the, a bookings platform called Talk, okay. which has come out of, Alinea, I believe, mm. um, from Nick Oconis and Grant Ackerts. Yeah. Um, and it's, I believe it's hugely successful in the States and it's been hugely successful for us. I mean, we went from, what was it, $3,000 a week in? Yeah, well, we're losing about three grand a week in, 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 no in revenue for no-shows and wow. talk has literally reduced that to, we just actually, we just got our annual report from them and, and our no-show rate is 0.013%. Oh, so, Yeah, the Australian hospitality industry, um, I mean, 
we got slammed by journalists for bringing this platform in because it's essentially pre-ticketed dining uh, and the industry was not ready for that in Australia. It's, you know, we're immediately painted as Satanists. Um, <laughs> but customers don't have a problem with it at all. And the thing is, we speak to all of our peers in the restaurant industry and they're all tackling, like, battling with no-shows and struggling yeah. with it. It's like, guys, just get on board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's That's no excuse fair. for I mean, tech these technologies are essentially systems to automate certain parts of your restaurant or to close the gaps. And I mean, yeah, they, they cost money, but at the same time, how much money are you throwing out the window because you're of your, your inefficiencies with like you guys, you said 3000, uh, you're losing $3,000. Was it or 3000 a month yeah. was it a year? A week. A week. Okay. So yeah. tell me that's not paying for itself. I don't even know what it costs you, but I mean, these are the things we, we need to look at it as what I'm saving and not what I'm spending and that what I'm saving, not just money, but time. What can I do with this new acquired time that I was spending yeah. chasing reservations around? Like you got to think of it that way. Um, awesome stuff. So, well, what, that's sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry. That's $3,000 in food wastage as well. Yeah. Mm. So just the environmental implications oh, yeah. of that. I don't, Yeah. I don't think it's stuff that people consider. Mm. But literally with talk, I mean, I <clears throat> the, the amount of time, and you just pointed it out, the, the amount of time that we save, um, you know, not being on the phone answering, you know, the same questions yeah. over and over and over, you know, where it takes like six emails back and forth just to make one booking for someone, whereas through talk they can get on five minutes, they've got their booking, they can literally come to the restaurant and not bring their wallet because they can select all their wines as well before they come in. So uh, to us, that makes total sense because it's more time to focus on something else. Like uh, more time to focus on enjoying the actual meal yeah, and, not experience that, yeah. and not feeling uncomfortable when, you know, when the waiter comes and puts a bill on your table. Hmm. I don't need that in to interfere with. <laughs> <laughs> All good yeah. points, guys. I love it. So what's one thing besides food that you guys are doing really well that separates you from other restaurants? Multisensory stuff. Yeah. The weird shit. <laughs> the, the weird shit. I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, taking taking the, the experience, the guest experience to down other avenues. So, yes, we make people feel welcome. They have great food and great wine and great service, but – they can also uh, have a virtual reality dish. They have speakers that talk to them through their chair. So they have. Uh, what else are we doing? We've got weird sculpt. We've got. Mm. We've commissioned some sculptors. They do dystopian animatronics. Um, we've commissioned them to create some servingware for us that might potentially move and speak to them. <laughs> I think you guys have made your point. And I think the, the lesson to take away is that uh, people, re they remember the experience. They remember how you made them feel. And there's way more ways than just taste and food uh, that mm. can create experience. So are you leveraging all those different, um, all those different, uh, what's the word? Um, senses yeah all those those things that we have as humans these senses we have as humans are you leveraging all of them are you creating those really unique experiences that separate you from other restaurants awesome stuff guys um it's not enough to do the same old thing anymore people want more oh absolutely and it's not people don't ex remember the expected they remember the yeah, unexpected. Absolutely. And if you can do things that are unexpected um it will only help separate you from other restaurants beautiful stuff 
What's one book that's a must read? If you guys just give us one book that's a must read for anybody in this industry, what would it be? Darren Brown, Tricks of the Mind. Mm. <laughs> what? Are you familiar with Darren Brown? <laughs> give me your one reason why we need to read that book. I have not. I'm not familiar with his work. Uh, Darren Brown is a hero of mine. He's a what would you call? It? I guess you'd call him a mentalist. Okay. Um, He's a mentalist, yeah. But his background is it, he combines neurolinguistic programming with just the power of persuasion and suggestion. Mm. Um, he's he's got a TV show. He's very big in the UK, um, but he pretty much wrote this book about how to use your mind to kind of not influence others necessarily, but how to hypnotize yourself mm. and make the most of yourself by. Yeah, self-hypnosis. It's yeah, just suggestions, you know, suggesting things onto yourself that will help you get ahead is kind of what I'm picking up from you in a very layman's term, Eric way of saying it. Uh, <laughs> but is that is that what you're saying? Just like influencing yeah, your, like, yourself? Yeah, so it's all about, I mean, NLP is about how can we identify times in our lives where we've been really, really successful and think about all the steps we took to get to that mm. point. How can we then duplicate that in other situations to get the same result? Awesome. And the name of that book again? It's Darren Brown, Tricks of the Mind. It's also a little bit about what we do at the restaurant in terms <laughs> of the messaging and, mm, yeah, just – so this is episode 297, guys. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com. Such 297. I'll have that book in the show notes. And you already spoke a good deal on technology. Um, do you want to add anything else? This is typically when I ask what's one technology you're leveraging, but you talked about – was it Tuck? Talk. Talk. Talk, yeah. So any yeah. other points you want to make on that or are we good there? We – we love talk, but we love our tech in general. And I think we're, where we've really been successful was when we started adopting those other other technology tools and assets into the hospitality industry. So pretty much everything I was using as a digital marketer, I brought mm. into Lume. Just give us Slack. a list real quick without getting into too much detail, just a real list of things we should be using. She's got a list. <laughs> Trello, Trello, Slack. Typeform, Canva, uh, Zero accounting software. Um, love Google Drive for everything. Um, Nimble CRM has been amazing for us. Mm. Or Full Contact. Um, and then, of course, we just a shout out to James from Marketing for Restaurants. He's been oh yeah, James amazing. Ealing's awesome. He's got a great podcast too. He's right there with me. Uh, great yeah, stuff. Really He's putting out. <laughs> during the day during service prep time oh yeah he's awesome <laughs> he will give you some great resources there and uh, i'll have that list in the show notes again with the kind of a description of what those resources do and this is episode 297 so head over to restaurantstopple.com slash 297 and with all the knowledge you have now if you could go back in time uh and make or just give yourself one piece of business advice what would that piece of business advice be uh, it would be to uh, keep keep pushing on, keep pushing on, keep pushing forward. Mm. Um, which you know, uh, we, we we kind of joke about it all the time. You know, if if things don't work out, you know, start again, do Just it again, cut it off at the limb and keep going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. With, with that with that kind of personality, it's like if if something's not working, um, find another way. Find another way to do it. It doesn't matter if it's hard or easy or or 
you know, whatever, just, just keep going. You just found one way not to do it. That's all. You're just going to find the right way to do it. I think it's uh, – what's that quote from Jefferson or, or Franklin, whoever invented the light bulb? He's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't find one way to create a light bulb. I you know, found a thousand ways not to or whatever. And Jefferson, it's, why can I think right now? Help me out. I'm a horrible American. Is it Edison? Edison? Oh, God, I don't know. Oh, we'll just edit this and fix it later. Or maybe I'll just leave it so everyone can laugh at me and call me names. Um, all right, guys, you've been awesome. Uh, was there one question I could have asked you that would have brought more value to this interview? We, we have a question for you, Eric. We, oh. want to know why, <laughs> we want to know why no one's interviewing you more. We think you're pretty amazing. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if you're out there and you're listening and you want to interview me. Uh, I would love to do it. Do you guys have any suggestions? Who should you put me in touch with? Well, we, I mean, just from before we started the show, we were just mentioning how you've gone full time with this. And it's like, I actually think you've got a pretty amazing story yourself for how, for how you've come about setting up this whole podcast. And the fact that, I mean, you don't have a restaurant yourself, but you've provided this outlet this forum for people all over the world to start connecting with each other and talking about these issues thank you well yeah i mean honestly i i couldn't i wasn't in the situation to open my restaurant uh but like you i didn't let that stop me from doing what i love which is being a part of the industry so i found i found a way to uh be a part of something that i love and serve an industry i love and uh it's been an honor and uh thank you for uh giving me this little moment. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's I my think pleasure. You, you, as an entrepreneur, because I think you've been great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Awesome, guys. Well, I've had a blast uh, speaking with both of you. You've given us some great things to think about. And um, give us uh, somebody who you admire. Who's one person in this industry you admire and think would be a great guest mentor on the show? <clears throat> Does it have to be from within the industry? Or what do you reckon, Sean? Um, I would say I, I would say Darren Brown because I know that he's been involved in. Uh, I know he worked with Heston actually yeah. over in the UK, uh, and was heavily involved in working with him on the multisensory side of things over there. Oh, you said um, Henson. What's the name one more time? Hensel. He from the Fat Duck. He consulted oh, with the yeah. Fat Duck. Okay, in, awesome, yeah. cool. In their experience. Um, I think it also. Be quite interested to talk to Nick Coconis from yeah from Talk absolutely okay awesome from the from the Alinea Group beautiful uh, very interesting guy awesome background in business mm. teamed up with Grant Ackerts and I guess again just that alignment of the two two different perspectives coming together they created something amazing. Mm. Well, they are on my hit list. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. And uh, let the folks at home know, how can we connect with you, Sean and Veronica or Ronnie? www.restaurantlume.com. Yep. And uh, and we're about to launch our own podcast in February. So really excited about that. Beautiful. I'll have – if you guys have like a, a, a website I can host – uh, on the show notes to kind of let people go check out the link so they can save it for when the time comes. Um, I'll be tweeting it. I'll be sharing it as soon as it goes live. But everything we discussed today, guys, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 297. I can't wait for your podcast to come out because we need more industry resources, like uh, just people sharing knowledge. And you guys are doing a great job. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. There is no question. Thank you, Eric. 
you guys are unstoppable. My, My pleasure. Cheers. That was awesome. Sean and Veronica, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. And, you know, just a couple of things, you know, using your restaurant as a, a, a vehicle for your personal mission, for your personal brand, uh, surrounding yourself with people who have certain skills that you may not have and what can happen when you uh, let those people you know, express those certain skills and finding the right partners. And then just the hustle. Uh, I mean, it's just a few of the many lessons we learned today. And I really want to focus on what Sean did with using his restaurant as an extension of who he is, uh, his, his taking his personal brand and slapping it on the brand of his restaurant. And why is that so important? Because you're going to be showing up to your restaurant, pulling crazy hours. Like this is going to be a part of you. And when you, create something that is literally an extension of who you are. It makes showing up to that job better every day. Plus, it's going to be unique to you. It's going to be your personal brand. And people do business with other people. They're not going... I mean, it makes it easier to make a human connection, uh, in my personal opinion. And here's one of the biggest lessons I've learned doing the show is that behind every great restaurant is a great person. So if you can focus on becoming a truly amazing person who has, whether it's, you know, focusing on a certain skill you have or whatever uniqueness, uniqueness you bring to the world, if you make your restaurant an extension of that uniqueness, or I mean, it can be the skill, it can be your ability to make other people happy, but it's just focus on your personal brand, making yourself amazing. And when you get to that point, then create the restaurant. Um, I love that approach. I, I love when I see people who are on the show do that. And they're not chasing brands. They're not or chasing trends. They're not trying to do what's cool right now. They're doing them. And they're creating trends. And they're they're changing the industry. And that's literally what uh, Sean and Veronica are doing out in Australia right now. They aren't going with the flow. They're, they're doing what they want to do. They're... they're you know, they're zigging when everyone else zags. And that's a great Zig Ziglar. I think it's a Zig Ziglar quote, but maybe I'm not sure who said it, but <laughs> they're not going with the flow. And when you, when you're different, you stand out and you, you draw attention and you create those unique selling propositions. And I uh, just want to say kudos or kudos to them for doing that. And, uh, I don't know if you guys got the email yesterday, but I'm officially full time on restaurant unstoppable. Hopefully, forever uh let's let's hope it goes in my direction but what can you do uh to help me out what can you do to support this podcast and just spread the word uh tell anybody and everyone you know who could benefit from the stories from the advice from these incredible mentors uh that this that this resource exists and uh help me who are some of the people you want to hear from who is that person in your community who is just the the person other people go to when they want to open a restaurant they go to this person for advice or they're just crushing it in your community and everybody looks up to them as somebody who just knows what they're doing think of that person right now everyone who's listening stop who is that person shoot me an email tell me who that person is help me get in touch with that person if you know them um my goal right now with this podcast is to get two months of content scheduled into the future that is 16 episodes guys i need your help uh once i do that once i get that cushion of content i'm going to redirect my focus to creating really unique content that will help you uh make decisions in your restaurant uh what 
you know, focusing on tearing apart the POSs, the CRMs, the website development, the uh, reservation platforms, all these tools my guest mentors are recommending. I'm going to go to those resources and I'm going to have them, you know, share with you why these tools will help them in their business. We're going to compare and contrast the different tools that are being recommended. And here's the thing that's awesome about Restaurant Unstoppable. This podcast was created by restaurant people for restaurant people. The information I'm giving you is going to be unbiased and there are going to be no, what's the word, propaganda going on here. Uh, The tools and services, uh, the, the, the resources I'm going to be putting in front of you were recommended to me by our trusted guest mentors, the people who are successful with their restaurants and using these tools in their restaurants, and they want to share these resources with you. Um, I'm so excited for the future and what Restaurant Unstoppable is going to be, a tool uh, created for restaurant professionals um, by restaurant professionals with no alternative motives. We're here uh, to serve each other and to lift this industry and to create an area where we can all share knowledge uh, for the greater good. So we can all have a better chance of going out there and doing what we do or doing what we love to do every day and um, knowing how to do it right with the right attitude, with the right business mentality. Um, uh, th- that's what I hope to create here at Restaurant Unstoppable. So if you want this resource to grow, just spread the word. Keep on listening. Uh, you know, Put me in touch with the right people that can get this, this resource uh, out there and uh, shared. So that's all I have today, guys. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Shoot me an email. Uh, leave those five-star reviews. Set up your one-on-one conversations with me if you just want somebody to talk with or talk to. I, I love all that stuff. Um, that's all for today. Here's to a, an amazing 2017 and beyond. Until next time, peace out.